Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Robert Sykes is the Keto Savage, founder of The Keto Brick, and accomplished keto bodybuilder. Robert is the author of the new book, Ketogenic Bodybuilding, A Natural Athlete's Guide to Complete Savagery, which is the culmination of his research and experience over the past seven years of ketogenic natural bodybuilding, earning his pro card, and working with hundreds of clients. Robert hosts the Keto Savage podcast, the popular Keto Savage YouTube channel with vlogs, cooking demos. He also coaches clients through online coaching to improve their health performance, and body composition. Uh, Robert has been on the show twice, most recently to talk about bulking on keto, metabolic flexibility, and thriving through adversity. Um, Definitely check that one out if you haven't yet. And welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, man. Thanks for having me a third time. I didn't realize it's been three times. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Always a great conversation with you. Um, Love listening to your podcasts. And I think you're an awesome host. Um, And it's always cool to do it on this end as well. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. And and likewise, you've had some amazing guests on your show as well. I love your interview style. So I'm excited to, to dive in and just see where the conversation takes us. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, what's new in life for you? You have a lot going on. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, what what's on your mind? What are you focused on? And then um, also, f- like, because we're going to talk about the book a bit, um, also be great to understand where you're currently at with your own bodybuilding journey or what phase you're in. Yeah. I mean, shoot, man, a lot's happened since we last spoke. Um, I think the last time I was on your show, that was before we moved to our new building. So now we're in our new facility up here in Northwest right. Arkansas. Uh, that's been a just a tremendous undertaking, but we are here. We're more or less settled in now. So super excited about that. Uh, launched the book that went live just a few weeks ago and um, Crystal's 28 weeks pregnant as of yesterday. So wow. all kinds of new and exciting things on our end for sure. Very cool. Um, and how are you like balancing all of it? Like, I know you're, you're a master of like organization and prioritization, but, um, have you had to up your game to a whole new level lately? (laughs) Yeah, man, it's kind of weird. Like there's like, I've never had a kid before. So having that on the horizon has really being scared is not the right word. I'm not scared to have a kid. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty solid about having a kid, but uh, from like a business standpoint, like I, I just were really want to make sure that I've got all my, you know, business, you know, endeavors under control, organized, uh, streamlined so that when the kiddo comes along, I'm not just the, uh, you know, workaholic dad that never gets to spend time with them. I want to be able to help Crystal. So I'm really trying to streamline my whole operation from, you know, the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep so that my waking hours are incredibly productive and I'm trying to find some separation between work and personal life. In the past, that's never existed because, I mean, up until we moved to this new facility, we were living in the warehouse that we were making these bricks. Uh, so there was no separation between personal life and work life, whereas now we have a house and we have a compound. So 
trying to focus that when I'm at work, I'm really at work and productive. And when I come home, I'm able to be at home and be present there. So that's kind of been the main undertaking here lately. Yeah, that's really tough. And um, interesting to hear you speak about, because I know you have done such a good job of just integrating everything and making it like a part of your life um, and making work like a very natural and enjoyable process for you. But um, it's interesting to hear you like trying to think about how you carve out separate family time almost. Yeah. Well, like with Crystal, I mean, she's part of the business as well. So like she's here all the time working. So I've never really had to do the whole, uh, you know, I, I, I still don't really believe in the whole work-life balance thing. Like I like for everything to be symbiotic in nature, but with the kid, when the kid comes along, you know, like they're not going to understand anything about work. Like they're not going to understand what I'm doing, why I'm gone, any of that stuff. So making things such that when I'm with, you know, our son, when he comes along, that I'm truly with him and not stressed out about the business, not stressed out about getting the newsletter out or a social media post or anything like that is, is, is important for sure. So I'm really trying to be proactive in the work that I'm doing. I'm trying to be really strategic with like a long-term game plan so that, you know, I, I can get all the business wheels turning, um, but then also know that things are working even if I'm not there in the moment working on them. Yeah. That makes sense. Is it, are there like people you see as role models as fathers that you're trying to learn from and follow? I know like Danny Vega, obviously, but are there others? Uh, honestly, man, I was super fortunate. Like my folks were amazing parents. Um, I want to do things differently than my folks in the sense that they worked, uh, you know, for the man, so to speak for out throughout their whole life. Whereas I've got my own company. So that's, that's a big difference. But as far as like parenting styles go, uh, you know, my parents were very, very great parents. I, I wouldn't want them to have done anything different than what they did. Um, so I've got a pretty good, pretty big boots to fill in that regard, so to speak. Um, but, but honestly, I'm going to start diving into a lot of different parenting strategies. Um, I had Matt Boudreaux on the podcast a few days ago, and that was a super interesting conversation. Um, so just kind of diving deeper into that realm and seeing how, you know, what resonates with me and what doesn't and kind of how I want to model my own parenting style. It's going to be, you know, totally new, uh, new territory for me, but I'm excited to dive in for sure. Very cool. Um, and how about, uh, shifting topics a little bit with bodybuilding? Where, where are you with that now? What, what type of phase are you in? Yes. Yeah, so I'm in a building phase. My last cut was, uh, started in 2019, like November of 2019 with the intention of competing, uh, several different shows throughout 2020. But then all those got canceled with the pandemic. So I've been in a building phase since then. Uh, and I'm probably going to continue to be in a building phase until November of this year. And then I'll start uh, dieting down again for a show uh, with the intention of competing in 2023. Um, so that's kind of my plan currently, subject to change. But uh, I think if I really pour myself into a productive you know, building phase for these next several months up until November, I'll be you know, significantly improved upon what I was the last time I leaned down for a show. That's awesome. And do you find you need to like take periods of like, <clears throat> I guess this, this is probably something you, you go into more detail in the book. Um, but during your building phases, do you have like, do you pull back um, and diet down and like get rid of some body fat, get your appetite back up and then go back into a surplus and bulking? Or is it pretty linear for you? Uh, so yeah, I always like to describe it kind of like, um, like, like, like a circular in motion. I mean, you're in a, you're in a building phase, then you're in a cutting phase. And ideally you want to spend more time in a building phase than a cutting phase because it takes so much time to build muscle. Uh, a lot of people are just chronically dieting down. They're just in a deficit more often than not. 
uh, which makes building additional muscle not not impossible, but very hard. Certainly not optimal. Uh, so for me, I try to build uh, you know at about a three to one ratio. So if I'm cutting uh, for you know six months out of the year, I want to be in a building phase for at least three times that, uh, which is why I don't personally or recommend competing every single year. Um, so you know I, I lean down for my last. Uh, competition 2020, and it'll be 2023 before I step on stage again. So it's a pretty good amount of time. But in doing that, I'm spending significantly more of my time in a building phase, in a caloric surplus, really prioritizing you know the ability to gain more lean tissue so that when I do step on stage, I look noticeably better than I did the last time, which is the, the primary goal with bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, so what started the idea for the book, Robert? Yeah. So I knew, I mean, I knew I wanted to write a book about this a long time ago. I actually bought uh, the, I bought several domains way back in 2016 when I first started Keto Savage. Uh, I bought the domain ketogenicbodybuilding.com before I even bought the domain for Keto Savage, knowing that I was going to put out content around this subject. Uh, So as I started writing the book, I started writing the book in 2019 when I started my last prep. And I mean, I basically went through the book documenting what I was doing with my prep and what I've learned, you know, over the years. And as I was reading this, it just made obvious sense that, Hey, the the title needs to be ketogenic bodybuilding. That's what it's all about. (laughs) So it was a perfect fit for that domain that I'd purchased back in 2016. Uh, And now it's just, you know, an integral part of the brand because everything that I've done with Keto Savage is largely focused around ketogenic bodybuilding and what I've learned in that journey. That's very cool. And who, who do you want the book to be for? Honestly, man, like it's, um, like it's f- written for competitive bodybuilders. Uh, honestly, it's written for natural competitive bodybuilders that want to leverage a ketogenic or low carb, you know, carnivore approach. Um, but the principles are the same, whether you're stepping on stage or not. So any, anybody that wants to optimize their body composition with a ketogenic or carnivore diet, whether they plan on competing or not, they, they would benefit from the book for sure. A lot of people ask me about how to make liver more tasteful and how to cook it or incorporate other organ meats on carnivore. Optimal Carnivore can help you do just that with their grass-fed organ complex. It was created by carnivores for carnivores. They start by sourcing 100% grass-fed organ meats from New Zealand, gently freeze-drying the organs and encapsulating them into convenient bovine gelatin capsules. Just six of these capsules a day is the same as eating an ounce of raw organ meat. I personally take these every single day, as does my wife. Even though we both eat liver and other organ meats, our ancestors would have eaten the whole animal. And this unique blend has nine different organs, including beef liver, brain, thymus, kidney, spleen, etc. And I think it's great to get a daily dose of these organs when you can. So it covers all your bases, whether you're at home or traveling. What's also cool is they plant a tree for every product sold, which helps the environment. So visit www.optimalcarnwar.com slash carnivorecast and use the code carnwar 10 to receive 10% off your purchase. Thanks and back to the show. I'm certainly super excited to dive into it. I haven't had a chance to dig into it yet, but I definitely will be. Um, and two things that struck me off the bat were one, the focus on mindset, which I know you're big on is mm-hmm. absolutely critical. And also thinking about all the phases um, not just the contest prep itself. Can you talk about um, those two points? Yeah. So I, I basically had the book broken down into seven primary phases that kind of guide people through the the prep process. And then each phase has this accompanying mindset 
section because I feel like mindset's just such an important part of body recomposition, uh, you know, tracking your macros, manipulating your nutrition, being, you know, consistent with your training. Like mindset plays such a huge part in that. Uh, so I really want to dedicate a, a good percentage of the book towards mindset. Um, and then as far as the phases go, like the the prep itself, the cut itself is the first five phases. And then phase six and seven are all about the reverse diet afterwards. So many different cutting protocols highlight losing weight and getting leaner, but then they totally brush over the reverse diet portion and how to return back to a healthy maintenance intake and then eventually a healthy surplus intake. So I really wanted to give those two phases the attention they deserve because so many people don't have that any direction towards that. And that's when they, you know, have a terrible, uh, you know, relapse. They eat a bunch of food beyond what is healthy. Uh, they have a negative rebound. They put on a bunch of post cut weight that's unnecessary. So really kind of honing in on that and giving people direction about how to transition out of a deficit was just as important to me as the actual cut itself. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, I think you're, you're a master of talking about mindset and I think some of your best work, your best content, whether it be podcasts or YouTube videos has been talking about your mindset and, um, diving deep into that. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Mindset. I mean, I feel like, like it's, it's kind of cliche. I mean, we always hear things about mindset. We always dig into, you know, self-improvement books or stoic thinking or philosopher, you know, philosophers and whatnot. And we all know inherently that mindset is important. And that kind of is the, the, the guiding factor between, you know, what we think and our actual, our actual actions that we live throughout the day. But really, you know, honing in on that was, was super important for me because uh, taking a proactive approach to improving my mindset has been super impactful for me, like reading, you know, different books on stoic thinking and honestly just living life. Like I feel like I've been blessed with a very, uh, fruitful life in the sense that I've had a lot of life experiences. I've met a lot of great people that have been positively impactful for me. And what I've learned from them, what I've learned through my own just experiences have totally shaped who I am as a person, how I think and how that thought process, you know, dictates my day-to-day actions. So uh, really kind of highlighting that with the book was, was a, a big prerogative for me in writing the book. And what, what was your favorite part of the book to write, Robert? Oh man. Um, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I like the acknowledgements section as short as that is with regard to the rest of the book, like that little bit, I mean, there's like two pages of acknowledgements, but really kind of diving into, you know, who has been impactful for me, uh, in writing this was, I mean, that, that brought about a lot of, uh, introspective thoughts. Um, so I really enjoyed writing that. Um, but the whole thing was was just a beast and to to write, but also an enjoyable process. Like I've never, I mean, I technically wrote a book before, but I don't even market it or promote it because I'm not really that proud of it. But I wrote a book way back in 2016 when I first started, uh, you know, putting out content. And it took me like two months to write that book. And I just hammered it out. And it was, you know, I was kind of on this euphoria high because I'd just been doing keto for a year now. And I'd seen such success with it that I wrote about a lot of stuff that, that I didn't really know what I was talking about yet. Whereas with this book, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. So I feel very confident in everything I wrote about. And I took my time in writing the book. It took me, you know, over two years to write this book, just kind of chipping away at it consistently day after day. And I feel like it's a very accurate representation of what I've learned over that, that time. And just simply the, the whole body of work as it sits uh, and everything that it covers. I mean, I'm proud of the whole thing. There's not really one spot that really stood out as something that I enjoyed writing more than the others. 
Yeah. I, I think you do such a good job with <clears throat> giving other people credit and acknowledging them um, through either like the gratitude section of your newsletter at the end, which I always appreciated um, or, or other ways as well. Um, what, what was the hardest part for you to write, Robert? Um, the hardest part, I think, I mean, writing itself is not easy. Um, like the, the, the manuscript that I wrote initially, um, I, I didn't honestly didn't trim off too much from the original manuscript, the, the publishing company I worked with, you know, they went through and they, they, uh, you know, they proofed it all, they edited it all, but there wasn't really a whole lot that was taken from the original manuscript. Uh, but honestly, just going through and polishing things, you know, taking out unnecessary words, taking out unnecessary transitions, um, and just kind of making the overall flow of it better uh, was definitely the most tedious, time-consuming, uh, just like least desirable aspect of it, I think. I mean, it's very important because it makes the end experience for the the reader much, much better. Um, but that didn't involve near as much creativity or uh, you know, just, you know, high level of thought so much that they just minute detail oriented stuff, which I don't prefer doing as much. So that would probably be my least favorite part of the whole process. What was your routine like to write every day? <laughs> um, so I didn't write every single day, but there for a while I was having a hard time gaining momentum. Um, and I knew that I had to just freaking buckle down and do it. So uh, the, the most productive span was, I guess, last year. And I'm like, look, I got to commit to writing 500 words a day without fail, no matter what. So for, I don't know how many months, but several, several months without fail, I wrote 500 words a day uh, during the week, during the weekends, like, no matter what, I would wake up first thing in the morning, have a cup of coffee, sit down at my desk, and I would not allow myself to leave that desk until I had written at least 500 words. And even if the 500 words weren't great quality writing, it got me in the right habit and built the momentum. And you know sometimes I'd be at 500 words and be at a total loss. Sometimes I'd hit 500 words and be on a freaking flow state and I can keep writing and not get, you know, 5,000 words written in that day. But uh, committing to the 500 words first and foremost was, was a, a, probably the single best attribute that I did to really get the momentum going. That's incredible. I can't imagine writing 500 words a day. Um, that sounds very difficult. How long yeah. did that take you typically? Uh, I mean, if I was like in a really good flow, I mean, I can get 500 words knocked out. And hardly any time at all, like less than an hour easily. And it'd it be a pretty good sentence or a pretty good, you know, string of sentences. Um, and there'd be times where I would sit there and not know what I was going to write about forever. If I, if I went into it knowing what the topic was going to be about, then I could kind of, you know, just dive in and, and get some content on the page. Um, so that, that was good. But honestly, just like the consistent aspect of it. I mean, the same is true with everything in life, you know, your nutrition, your training, you know, like there's a lot of times where I'm not excited to go to the gym or excited to track my macros or meal prep or, or whatever, but you know, you gotta, you gotta just commit to it and be consistent with it. And once I applied those same concepts to the book, that's when the books are actually taking shape. Did this make you want to write other books or, or where do you want to take it next? Like, will this become a course or something? Uh, it's definitely going to become a course. I don't know when I'm going to write another book, but I'm going to, and I've already started, you know, kind of filming some content for it, but I'm going to, uh, build out a companion course, so to speak, uh, that mirrors the concepts in the book. Um, but it's going to be like the most intensive bodybuilding prep course that exists bar none. Uh, just as I feel the book is the most 
intensive book around on bodybuilding, especially from a natural standpoint, and especially from a ketogenic standpoint. But from a a course, you know, perspective, this course is going to be a freaking beast, man. It's going to take me several months to do, but I've got a lot of the framework kind of dialed in now, and hopefully, I'll have it done by the time I start my next competition prep later this year. Um, Because I'd love for it to be out there by then, so people can jump on and ideally diet down with me. I think that'd be a pretty cool atmosphere to have a people, like a community of people doing the same thing I'm doing it as I'm doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, what do you think is controversial about the book, um, either on the training side or, or nutrition side? I don't anticipate a whole lot of controversy around the training side. Um, Cause I mean, I honestly don't really change my training that much between eating, you know, when I was used, when I used to eat carbohydrates versus now with keto, but there will definitely be a lot of controversy around the nutrition for, you know, the, the, the traditional dieters, the bro dieters, the flexible dieters that think you have to have carbs, think you have to eat more frequently, think you have to have vegetation. Um, I mean, I say a lot of stuff in the book that's, you know, like not eating a whole lot of veg- vegetables, not eating, but, you know, once or twice a day, um, decreasing protein for a period of time, as opposed to keeping protein at, you know, 350 grams plus a day. So there's definitely a lot of things that are going to be in stark contrast to what traditional bodybuilders think is necessary for a prep. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I know it works. I've done it repeatedly on myself and my clients. So, I mean, um, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, uh, but I know from trial and error and, you know, just experimentation over the years that this method is 100% effective. Uh, and if people want to follow a ketogenic approach, they can absolutely do it and get incredibly dialed in. Uh, regardless of what any of the bro dieters or flexible dieters want to tell you. Yeah. And uh, when you've worked with clients, is there anything that like you used in your own approach um, for, for ketogenic bodybuilding or contest prep that like just didn't work with other people or maybe other people in general or specific examples? Uh, So I mean like with regard to, you know, people that have certain sensitivities, you know, so I don't have a sensitivity to dairy. So I'll leave dairy in throughout my prep. Some people do have a sensitivity. So that would be a very, you know, bio-individual, uh, you know, example of someone that needs to remove something that I don't need to remove. Uh, but everyone's going to have a different, a different threshold with regard to their protein threshold, the amount of, uh, you know, sodium and potassium that they're going to respond best to and peak with during peak week. Um, like all of those factors are going to be very individualized, but, uh, the concepts, like once you become fat adapted, um, the cool thing about working with the, the number of clients that I have over the years is that I can really start to pick up on pattern recognition, like what seems to work well in most situations. And I've pretty much been able to develop this classic 80-20 analysis of you know what works really well, what inputs yield the right results, and what inputs yield you know adverse effects that we want to avoid. And there are definitely some outliers from that, but I've got it really honed into uh, you know, an athlete that's following a fat adapted ketogenic approach, carnivore approach, what works well for the vast majority of them. And I think this book does a really good job encompassing that, but it also, uh, you know, for those outliers, like this, this is not like a set in stone book in which it's not really customizable. Like it, it's more so teaching you how to think and then adjust accordingly, as opposed to giving you some cookie cutter plan. Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess is your goal with this book that people will be able to coach themselves through a ketogenic prep? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I mean, I'll, I love working with people. Like I love being a coach. I love having clients, but a lot of coaches 
I mean, a lot of coaches are, are not good coaches. Like they, they give people cookie cutter plans, or they don't yeah. really give them the attention they deserve. So I feel like if somebody, you know, had this book at their disposal and then kind of knew what the, what to expect and, and then use the book to give them some much needed perspective, they'll be able to tell if they've got a worthwhile coach or not. And then from there, can decide if it's worth keeping that coach or firing that coach. Um, and if they want to do things absolutely solo, I feel like this book would definitely give them, you know, a huge advantage over someone that didn't have it as a resource. Yeah. I, it's interesting how a lot of really successful bodybuilders don't have coaches. And I don't think you've, you've had a coach, at least not as a ketogenic bodybuilder. Can you talk about that and like how you found that experience for yourself? Yeah. So I've done, um, I don't even know how many shows I've done now, but I've done, I think three or four shows before I went keto. Um, I did not have a coach for the first one. I had a coach for the next two. And I mean, the, the first one was, I mean, I did everything wrong. Like I, I dieted way too quickly. I, I lost way too much weight, way too fast. Um, I took my calories too low. I did too much cardio. Like I did everything wrong. I didn't have anybody to tell me what I should expect and what would be healthy. Um, so don't advise that for anybody because it's just not necessary and you're shooting yourself in the foot. When I did my prep with a coach, um, they were good, but it, I mean, it would have been beneficial for them to kind of explain more of the why behind the how. Um, that, that would have just given me more insight. And then once I became keto, there weren't any natural bodybuilders doing keto. Uh, so I didn't have anybody to look up to in that regard. So what I learned myself uh, in doing a ketogenic approach was honestly me just kind of blazing my own trail. I took concepts and principles that I had learned previously, um, you know, in following bro diets and flexible diets and whatnot. And I, I took from that what was good and worked and I discarded what didn't and applied it to what I was learning and experimenting with from a ketogenic standpoint. And that kind of has formed what I do now. Um, but, but there's so many different ways to get lean, man. Like there's, People that compete, they, there's, there's a million different ways to skin the cat, as the, as the saying goes. But from a, a natural bodybuilding standpoint, you know, if you become fat adapted, you keep your dietary fat higher, you have better hormonal health on average, um, and the whole process just becomes much more enjoyable and sustainable, in my opinion. Yeah. And do you find it like liberating to learn your own body and be your own coach? Or do you sometimes find it overwhelming to like have to make all those decisions yourself versus um, having someone like kind of take the reins. It honestly just kind of depends on the personality. I mean, for me, I like doing things myself, uh, because I am so in tune with my body. Um, and I, I don't mind that decision fatigue because it's, I've done it enough times now that it comes pretty natural. I just freaking know, like I've got this intuition about what I need to do with my macros, et cetera, et cetera. For people that don't have the perspective, like have never done a competition before, don't really know what they're looking for. Having somebody else kind of take the reins, and, you know, be a guiding hand would be liberating because then they don't have to just let so much of their time be spent wondering what to do. Um, but then after you do it a few times, you can start to, you know, hone in on that and listen to your body more, have more self-awareness and be a lot more confident in the decisions that you make. Um, but again, it all kind of just stems down to the, the personality. Like I, I like doing things solo because I am so into my, my body. Some people no matter how successful they are, they're still going to prefer to have somebody else make those decisions for them so that they can allocate that, you know, decision bandwidth to something else. Yeah. Um, and now that there are more people doing like ketogenic bodybuilding, um, and, and you probably know a lot of them or have had them on your podcast. What do you think is different about your method 
um, or your style um, or some things you believe that may be different than other ketogenic bodybuilders? Um, well, one thing I've seen a massive trend in is that as keto has become more popular, a lot of people that were in traditional bro diets or flexible diets have tried to capitalize on the popularity of keto and offer keto coaching and do keto preps. Um, but it's it's like they they bring with them all this uh, you know information and knowledge about what used to work with a you know traditional approach. And they have not really allowed it to become legitimately keto. So, for example, uh, they'll they'll remove the carbohydrates, but then they won't really manipulate their fats or proteins differently. Uh, and they'll just assume that they're keto by definition because they have no carbs. But simply removing the carbohydrates, but leaving protein excessively high and having very minimal dietary fat is most certainly not optimal from a ketogenic standpoint. So kind of removing those biases that that come from traditional diets uh, and just really kind of wiping the slate clean and doing it from a truly ketogenic standpoint is a very different process than, you know, than not. Uh, so I feel like because I was doing ketogenic bodybuilding bef- before keto became popular, I didn't have any of those biases with me. I just simply learned as I went. And with that, uh, experimented much more on the fringe of what people would expect to do in a bodybuilding scenario. Um, like bringing protein down very low for periods of time, like having fat very high for periods of time, and just really kind of pulling all these different levers to see what worked and what didn't. Um, so I think from a ketogenic standpoint, I have that going for me. I'm doing it from like a legitimate ketogenic diet standpoint, as opposed to this, you know, muddled idea of what keto is, but not really. <laughs> so I think that would be one advantage for sure. Yeah. Um, I've seen it work really, really well for you. And I think it's awesome to follow along. Um, that's what first, got me into following you is your, your, your vlogs of, of one of your earlier preps. Um, I thought were so cool. And, uh, Robert, what, um, what else is, is going on or what do you have in the future, um, from keto savage and keto brick that you're excited about? Man, we got lots of things. So now that we're here, at the new compounds, you know, we got an awesome team, uh, working here. There's seven of us. We got, um, you know, we got a full-time videographer and, and media guy. So we're, we got a whole bunch of content in the pipeline. Uh, new recipe videos, new training videos, uh, new content around that. It's a whole bunch of content specific to this online course that I'm going to be working on. Um, and then we've got new flavors with the keto brick business. We get one of those dropping here pretty soon. Uh, so really expanding that. Uh, we are actually relaunching, kind of rebranding our apparel business. And we brought all of the uh, production for that in-house as well. So we bought a screen printing press, learning how to use that. Uh, so that we can just kind of everything that we did with the keto bricks and keeping everything in house, we're going to also apply to the other areas of our business, like the apparel, uh, you know, doing all the production of that internally. Um, so that's obviously big. And then, uh, you know, with the baby coming, I'm super excited about that. Baby will be due in uh, May. So just kind of taking, taking the time before he comes along to get organized, get dialed in and uh, get everything ready to rumble for when baby Sykes comes along. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super excited for that and excited for you. Um, well, thank you so much, Robert. This has been awesome. Great to catch up with you and learn more about the book. I'm super excited to, I'm going to read it over and over again. Um, and I hope everyone goes and picks it up. Um, where can people find you and follow you? And I'll, of course, have links to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks again, man. Keto Savage for all things me. Ketosavage.com is my website. Uh, Keto Savage on social. Uh, ketobrick.com and keto brick on social for the bricks. And then the websites, I've got a, a standalone website for the book and it's just ketogenic bodybuilding.com. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the Carnivore Cast on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you'll help us reach more people and continue to create content on Carnivore. There are also exclusive perks available, such as private Q&As, consultations with me, and more. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash carnivorecast. Check the episode description for the link. Thank you, and I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered? Or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.